you um appreciate that and um thanks tim for juggling pressing things um it's not always easy <clears throat> especially on zoom so listen we're going to spend a few minutes just dipping into god's word together i know in your households there are exciting things going on um and there are many distracting things but um quick quick wave of hands how is the planting going has everybody completed their planting are we saving it to later thumbs up if you've done it if the planting has been done not much planting completed semi oh, like we've half planted anyone already eating the harvest oh no it's flowers you can't eat them or maybe you can i don't know Oh, I've just started a whole safeguarding dilemma there, haven't I? I wonder if they're edible flowers. Um, we won't go there. Look, we're just going to spend a few minutes. And kids, if you want to look at your clocks um, and set your watches and just think maybe 20 minutes, all start jumping up and down. Um, and if I see you on the screens above me, I'll know that you, you're done already. Um, and we've we've had some time in the word. But I want to encourage you today as we are looking what it is to keep being responsive to the invitation from the Holy Spirit that God is giving us as a whole Wellspring Church family to be able to grow stronger in faith, deeper in prayer and bolder in witness. And we're still looking in Acts. Um, but before we come to the actual story, I just want to do a huge shout out. One to the Penny household. That was a brilliant, brilliant video of the parable. I'm absolutely loving how you sowed seeds. And, um, you know, I don't know when seeds should be really sown in the actual calendar year. But, you know, if we get some seeds, I'm getting you round into my garden. But only if you stand in a certain place, because you really scattered those seeds far and wide. But that was very good. And I also want to honour you all um, as a community here in North Bushy. Um, these are these are challenging times for obviously globally. Um, but the challenges that come into households, into different families are different for each of us at different seasons. And I just want to commend you all for loving each other, for supporting each other, for encouraging yourselves to keep going, to press on, plod on. I feel that's my sort of my mantra is just plod on. Um, it doesn't feel always very exciting or like we're that victorious, but we can we can plod on. And I just want to honor you as a as a fellowship, as a family, as a community for keeping going and keeping encouraging each other. So today, as we look at this story in Acts, um, we're picking up where you've kind of been journeying through. So last week, if you were able to listen to it or if you caught up with it afterwards, where Magdi was speaking um, about the story of Ananias and Sapphira, which is a challenging little story that he was able to bring to life. Before that, you obviously um, had some great dialogue between Rebecca and Matt and Dan thoroughly enjoyed catching up on that. And this whole challenge of what it is to be like, like Rebecca talked about the circle, you know, together, but looking outwards, um, how to support one another, but to look outwards. So we're going to kind of press on um, with the story of Acts. And we come to this funny little passage, which has got some really funny little stories in it. So before I read it, I want to throw some words at you to listen out for. I want you to listen out for something that sounds a bit contradictory a bit conflicted as if on one hand Luke when he's telling this story and bringing this narration he's saying something that sounds like one thing but then just a five seconds later the very next sentence it sounds like he's saying something completely different so kids especially if you're listening to this in the background while you're putting mud into water or water into mud however that works um, then just listen out for something that just doesn't seem to make sense because I really had to lean into that um, scripture this week to say, what is going on here? So there's that conflict. And there's also something very cool that happens that, well, I want to liken it to Peter Pan, but all the theologians, 
that are in this gathering will just go, what? But have you ever read the story or watched the film of Peter Pan? And there's this beautiful little bit where Peter Pan's shadow takes on its whole little character of itself. And it's, it's kind of doing its own thing, contradictory to what actually is going on with Peter Pan's actual body. Well, there's a great bit in here where Peter's shadow is just, you know, almost jazz hands completely, that something is going on with his shadow. So I want you to listen out to that. So if you've got your Bibles, feel free to grab them. We're reading from Acts 5 verses 12 to 16. But if you don't have your Bibles, it's not a pressure. I am going to read it to you. So let me read you Acts 5 verses 12 to 16. Are you all ready? Here we go. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders among the people. And all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people held them in high regard. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. As a result of the apostles' work, sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Okay, did you spot the contradictory bit? Did you spot the bit that doesn't make sense, where on one hand, Luke was saying one thing, and then literally in the next sentence, it seemed to be different? Well, that little sentence was in verses 13 and 14. But before we come to that, when Luke is writing this whole narration that is going through the act story of how the Holy Spirit was moving through God's people and the church was growing and growing, we don't get this little verse story. We don't get it isolated from the rest of it. So we have to remember the context that I just said about Ananias and Sapphira and all the things that had gone on before. Because here, the beginning of this little story in verse 12, the apostles are going about life as normal. The apostles and all the believers were doing the things that they normally do, including meeting in the temple. Now, I don't know about you, but if two people had been struck down um, for their behavior and their response to the Holy Spirit and to the apostles challenge. And, and if all the headlines has been as dramatic as you would imagine after that story, I don't know if we would just immediately go on business as normal or if we would actually pause and go, what? But the apostles had their eyes on the Lord. And as a result, they were pressing on. If you remember the parable that was so brilliantly told earlier, it's a bit like because the seeds had gone into their good soil of their hearts, they were able to keep bearing fruit because actually the truth of Jesus was within them. So the apostles were cracking on, the believers were cracking on, going about their normal business. In other words, worshiping, speaking, miracles were happening. They were performing miracles as you do every day. And business was normal but here's where it got challenging for me if I'm really honest when I was reading this passage because you get to verse 13 it says no one else dared join them even though all the people had high regard for them so verse 13 no one else joined the apostles or the believers no one else dared to but then did you hear what Luke did what he said the very next thing yet Verse 14 starts with a yet. You've got to look out for the yets and the buts. Yet, says Luke, the people or more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord. So in verse 13, no one dared join them. But in verse 14, yet more and more people were 
coming to know the Lord. Now, to me, with my intellect capacity as it is, that doesn't make sense. So I had to do a little bit of digging this week and go into this scripture a little bit more. Now, firstly, I thought, well, maybe there's some nuance in the people. And the first lot of people was referring to this. And the second lot of people was referring to this. And, you know, there really isn't. If you dig into the, you know, kind of the Greek, um, which, you know, obviously I'm not bilingual. In, um, but when you dig into that, there is no evidence that says, OK, it's about different people. So you have to understand a little bit differently. Now, there's two key words here. In verse 13, Luke is saying no one else dared to join them. Now, if you look at that join, that join is a bit like kind of sticking to somebody, a bit like kind of a human connection. It's a bit tokenism. It's a bit human choice. It's a bit sort of self-motivated. All of that comes out of that essence of the word. If you were um, taking it back to the parable that we saw earlier, it would be kind of like the stony ground, maybe, or the thorny ground where, you know, the seeds could get in and there was a little bit of growth. But, you know, there was just not enough intention to look after it. There's too many thorns and the seeds couldn't get through. So this joining is all about human intention. The second part where all the believers or many believers were coming to know the Lord is about an addition that is Holy Spirit kind of initiated, activated. We sometimes, um, and from other scriptures, understand that, you know, the Holy Spirit, the Lord is the, the author and perfecter, the starter and the finisher of our faith. And this addition of people coming to know the Lord is all about when the Holy Spirit does something. You'll know the difference if you've ever tried to do something in your own strength versus if you've done something where you know the Lord has anointed you. And although it's been difficult, it's just flowed, it's just been easy. It's that element of the Holy Spirit flowing that enables somebody's heart to respond towards Jesus, that enables them to come to know him and make a step of faith. So we have a human effort versus a Holy Spirit manifestation. So the human effort, people didn't dare join them because the cost that they'd seen paid by Ananias and Sapphira, like the, you're not going to casually follow Jesus. Jesus requires all or nothing because, you know, we've just had these stories, Ananias and Sapphira, a proof that you can't be casual about following Jesus in these days versus the Holy Spirit moving in people's hearts where they were compelled to follow Jesus because the Holy Spirit awakened their spirit to be able to connect with the truth and the wonder and the glory that is Jesus. So if I have a question for you today, it would be this. Where are we at with the human choice that's all a bit casual versus allowing the Holy Spirit to really lead us and move within us. I guess if we were looking back at that parable earlier, you know, what condition is our heart in to receive the truth when the Holy Spirit speaks to us? For me personally, I think I have had my heart as all those different types of soil. I don't think my heart has represented the good soil every day, all the time. In fairness, there's some days when I think I've gone through all soils in one day, if that doesn't sound too weird. Um, I, I think our hearts can harden. I think our minds can um, be bombarded with things. I think we can, I can become casual. Let me not put it on you. Let me just um, own my own junk. I can become casual about trying to follow Jesus rather than allow the Holy Spirit to help me. And this is the tension that Luke is 
is kind of demonstrating in this passage that on one hand, no one was going to casually follow Jesus. And on the other hand, the Holy Spirit enables this awakening of heart to have to follow Jesus because there's no one else to follow. So that little tension is, is quite a fun thing to explore. And if we're willing to, to actually turn the light and the attention back on ourselves to say, okay, are we casually following Jesus? Or are we wholeheartedly allowing the Holy Spirit to compel us forward that we would grow stronger in faith, deeper in prayer, bolder in witness? As the passage continues, so the, the disciples, the apostles, they're all going on about their business as per normal. Um, they're pressing into the truth of the Lord. They're sharing the truth of the Lord. Many people are coming to know them, not casually, but many people are coming to know Jesus wholeheartedly. Then there's this really, really cool bit at the end of this little passage where Peter's actual shadow if people were kind of held when he walked past, if his shadow fell on them, they were healed. Now, I don't know about any of you. I mean, I don't know, I could pick on some of you. I mean, like Matt, has that ever happened? Rebecca, has that ever happened? Has it ever happened where you're walking down the road? Colin, I'm sure it's happened for you because you're just such a godly man. But have you ever walked down the road and you've walked past somebody who's troubled about whatever their troubles might be? And because your presence is so close and your shadow is so close, they've been healed. Their situation has changed. Imagine you're walking past somebody, a stranger, and their heart is searching and your very presence comes into their kind of space and because Jesus is so present in you it is like his shadow or your shadow is his presence just imagine that imagine if the presence of Jesus was so prevalent in your life that your shadow enables somebody to encounter Jesus when you didn't do anything other than walk past. One of the things I love about this idea, this, this sort of representation of the story is it was not down to Peter's effort. I mean, he had to walk, you know, he was burning a few calories, but there was no effort on his part. He wasn't coming up with phrases or prayers or anything. He was just so full of the presence of Jesus that his shadow exuded the Holy Spirit. Just imagine. Weirdly, you know, with COVID and social distancing, shadows reach further than a person. So I'm just saying that maybe this is a thing we should really be pressing into because if your shadow can reach further than yourself, you know, people could be healed on the streets, socially distanced, just a thought to consider. I want to read you a really quick story to um, to kind of sum up this thought. So I've got this book. I don't know if you can see that nice and clearly. This is a devotional book I've been using. It's called Windows of the Soul by Ken Guy. I, I really recommend it to you. It's a beautiful way of helping us dig deeper, look further. I just use it at the minute in the mornings along with my other quiet times to just 
just to trigger some thoughts. And he really does an, a stunning um, way of, you know, taking something that is ordinary and helping you see into it to allow our thoughts to go deeper and to allow the Lord to actually speak to us further and more clearly than he might otherwise done. Anyway, um, there's a story that I want to just read to you that's just captured at the near the end of this book. And as I read it, I want to ask you a question. Who does your life reflect or what does your life reflect to other people? Who or what might be communicated by the shadow you leave around other people? Because the disciples reflected Jesus and their shadows encounter, people were able to encounter Jesus through their shadows. Would that be true for us? What is the impression we are giving to people? So let me read this to you. Are you ready? This is like story time with mother. Okay, I will um, read from this. What if one day the entire body of Christ were struck dumb? Couldn't write a word, couldn't speak a word, couldn't even move our lips to mouth one. What then? What would be left? Our lives. And what would our lives say? What would they say about who we are and who our God is? What would they say about what we believe if we were to take away the words? How much of the gospel could the world understand? Would we discover that the world is illiterate or that our lives are illegible? Would the writing on the pages of our lives, which we always took to be literature, turn out to be the scribbling of a preschooler? Or would the pages simply be blank? Preach the gospel, St. Francis said, and when necessary, use words. And he said that, I think, because he realized that the most impactful words are those incarnate in our lives, words that have been made flesh and dwell among us. When asked why he wanted to go to Africa to work among the natives, Albert Schweitzer said it was because he wanted his life to be his sermon. He wanted the days of his week to be a Sunday text, so clear and so compelling that little else needed to be said. As it turned out, little else needed be. His life was heard by millions. There is a story of another missionary whose life was not heard by millions. He was an English missionary in India whose mission board required him to keep detailed financial records for which he had to be skilled at double entry bookkeeping, which he wasn't. He had no background in accounting or business. He only had a calling to be a missionary. But his balances were always off and the separate accounts he was supposed to keep kept getting mixed. And so the mission board released him. Unfit for the mission field was their assessment, when in truth, he was only unfit for bookkeeping. He left without incident, nobody knew where. Years later, a woman missionary visited a remote jungle village to introduce the natives to Jesus. She told them of his kindness and his love for the poor, how he went to their homes to eat with them, how he visited them when they were sick, how he fed the hungry, healed the sick, bound up the wounds of the brokenhearted, and how children loved to follow him. The eyes of the natives lit up, their faces beamed, and one of them exclaimed, Miss Saeed, we know him well. He has been living here for years. 
When they took her to see him, it was the man who years earlier had been dismissed by the mission board. He had settled there to do his work, sequestered from the double entry tyranny of bookkeeping. Whenever anyone was sick, he visited them and waited up all night outside their hut if necessary, checking on them, tending to their needs. When they were hurt, he nursed their wounds. For the old and the infirm, he brought food and water. When cholera broke out in the village, he went from hut to hut, doing what he could do to help. I wonder if someone were to come to our village, our neighborhood, our place of work, and that person began to describe Jesus, would anybody hearing the description say, we know him well, he's been living here for years. I think it's a challenge that the Holy Spirit is inviting us to consider as we grow stronger in faith, deeper in prayer, bolder in witness. Do we reflect Jesus? Is our shadow a means by which people can encounter Jesus when they encounter us? Will we allow the Holy Spirit to wholeheartedly lead us forward? Will we be that good soil for those seeds to bear grapefruit in our lives. I will leave you with that thought. Amen. <laughs>